Hey everyone, a couple quick announcements before we get started with the show, uh, which is absolutely amazing. I'm really excited for everybody to hear it. Uh, it's, of course, with Ed Bagley Jr. I mean, come on, who wouldn't be excited? Uh, but first I wanted to uh, thank my wonderful girlfriend, Annie, for helping me engineer this episode so I didn't have to pay attention to the sound levels. I could just focus on uh, my, my talk with Ed which, uh, as you'll hear, is just absolutely incredible. Uh, I also want to remind everybody that uh, there's still time to get uh, great deals at vegancuts.com. I mean, they have great deals all the time, but if you put in SNACK10 as a coupon code, uh, I think just for a few more days, uh, you get 10% off of any marketplace item at vegancuts.com. And then if you order a snack box you get a second month for free if you email back the confirmation with the code vegan snack attack and then you you get a credit for a free month uh, also definitely if you're at healthysurprise.com and you're signing up for a uh, a snack box put in vegan snack attack as the coupon code and you'll get some great deals um, I also want to let everybody know that there are tickets still on sale for the LA vegan beer fest if you're in Los Angeles or looking to travel to Los Angeles uh, around May 4th. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Uh, they just released the um, the beer vendors, which all of these beers will be uh, included for the price of admission. We got Golden Road Brewing, Anchor Brewing, Hangar 24, Noble Ale Works, Anderson Valley Brewing Company, Triple, Triple Voodoo Brewing. Uh, let's see. I'm just going to skip around a little bit. Epic Brewing Company, Lagunita, Speakeasy, uh, tons of others, uh, and then we have some great food vendors, uh, Tony's Darts Away, which is one of the sponsors of the event, uh, Mohawk Bend, which is one of my favorites, Golden Road Brewing, uh, they're gonna have some great food, Frankenstein, which has been mentioned on the show, um, Gracias Madre, which is my favorite in San Francisco, Sage Vegan Bistro, absolutely amazing, uh, Food for Lovers, my, my pals over in Austin, they're gonna be around, they're gonna have some of their queso, it's gonna be great. Um, I'm pretty sure that Planned Food for People is also on the list. You might remember them from a, a previous episode. Uh, fresh fries, seabirds, absolutely amazing food. So definitely look up uh, LA Vegan Beer Fest. Get your tickets while they're still around. Also, if you enjoy the theme song for Vegan Snack Attack, Thomas Hughes, who wrote the song, is also a uh, singer and musician in the band Spinto Band, and they have a new album out called Cool Cocoon, and it is absolutely amazing. It's nothing like the theme song that you hear on this podcast. They're a great rock band. I've known them for many years, and they're just fantastic. I love them. Great guys, great musicians. So actually, at the end of this podcast, I'm going to play one of their songs uh, for you to enjoy off of the album Cool Cocoon. So stick around for that. Enjoy the show. If you're ever seeking for some grub that is vegan, but there's nothing new to try, or ideas have run dry, I know the feeling. But a podcast is here to relieve all your fears, so you better sink your teeth into the Everybody and welcome to Vegan Snack Attack. Uh, it's me, John. Uh, if you are listening to this, you've probably already seen the episode description. And if you are familiar with my guest, you're probably just as excited as I am. I'm here with uh, actor and environmental crusader Ed Bigley Jr. Hey, John. How are you? I'm great. How you doing, Ed? Great. Great to talk to you. Fantastic to talk to you. Uh, I've been a huge fan of your acting work since uh, since I've been aware of movies, <laughs> pretty much. And Thank you. It's, it's an honor to be sitting here with you. And it's just been so incredible to see all the things that you've been doing for the environment over the past, I don't, I don't know, how 43 long? years 43 now. Years. This year is Well, I've only been aware of it for maybe 10 Great. <laughs> but well, that's good. Yeah, I mean, you've been, uh, you've written some books and you've been on, you've had a TV show and yeah. done all sorts of stuff. And you have a product line, Begley's Best. I do. And you now do. Uh, we've, there's a new company. It's now called Begley's Earth Responsible Products. Uh, we got hit pretty bad with the economic downturn. We hung in there for a while with Begley's Best, but they started taking a lot of the smaller 
lines like ours off the shelves in many stores and so we couldn't weather that but there's a new company new products cleaner and greener than ever great certification mm -hmm. and they're called begley's earth responsible products but you could go to the begley's best website it's sure. easy to remember begley's best and, it's and you same, can buy them same type of products yeah non-toxic great cleaning products that are good for the environment and they clean very well i i can wholeheartedly agree with you i've used them they're fantastic thank you John. uh so why don't you just tell me a little bit about how you kind of got started with environmentalism are you vegan i am a vegan you're vegan um me too it's good to have a nice good. comrade in the in the in the fight Definitely. Uh, <laughs> um when did you become vegan I started in 1970, but it was very difficult back there, John. Uh, it was, you know, very hard. I'd be traveling, doing a movie, and be in small towns, uh, you know, be places of the South. They just didn't understand veganism for sure. Absolutely. And, and so uh, it, it's slightly difficult in some places today, but it was impossible back then. So I modified my diet, and I was eating fish for a while. I cut that out many years ago, and now I'm back to where I started, a vegan, and uh, became a vegan again in 92, and I love it, and it's much easier now. As you, Oh, I can uh, only imagine. Yeah, it was very hard back then. You can be in the middle of Fairbanks, Alaska, and you can get broccoli and you know, uh, Brussels sprouts in the middle of winter, you know, uh, it's, uh, and, and fresh too. You can, you know, you can get veggie dogs in Birmingham, Alabama, you mm -hmm. know, it's just, it wasn't like that in 1970. It just right. wasn't. So now it's a lot easier and I like to cook and I have a lot of good vegan recipes that I employ. And, uh, yeah, it, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not a perfect world yet. There aren't as many restaurants as I'd like, but it's a lot better than it was. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, we're here in the Los Angeles area where it kind of couldn't be better but well in, in comparison to many other places it's just a, a dream but i do talk to a lot of people who are either musicians or comedians that are on the road all the time and i love hearing them talk about what they do to survive as a vegan uh it's it's not always that easy but it seems that it's getting better and better and better and i've recently been doing quite a bit of traveling and you know, it's it's not difficult to find the little small pockets, and everywhere has its own community, and it's good. Right. It's, uh, and now with Happy Cow, with that great app, uh, you know, you can use that and go, wow, here we are in the middle of, you know, wherever, Costa Mesa. Yeah. I didn't know there's a veggie restaurant, a vegan restaurant right here, you know, and wherever. Or, if someone would have told you that there would be an app called Happy Cow in the 70s, how would you have reacted I, to uh, What's an app? <laughs> what's a, computers are as big as this room. What are you talking about? You know, that's just, uh, it was a different era yeah. they had ibm key punch back then cards with little holes in them yeah. was the storage and tape mediums tape spinning back and forth uh, uh you know it was a, a whole nother world so a handheld device that will have track more, your location track and your location you and that more uh power in the small computer in your hand than what sent the men to the moon the year right. before in 1969 so amazing yeah absolutely so what uh made you go vegan you know, there were a couple of reasons. It uh, it seemed right once I started to hear about conditions in slaughterhouses and then mm -hmm. the beginning of, of factory farms the way that we know them today. They certainly had large-scale farming before I was even born, but uh, in 1949 is when I was born. But by 1970, there was a beginning, a move towards more and more factory farming and mm -hmm. uh, a situation where the animals are, they go through tremendous suffering, bad conditions, and the way the meat is handled often, it just seemed, uh, it, it just turned me off. And so that was part of it. The other thing was my own health. Mm -hmm. I'm looking out for the animals and me. I, I started trying to eat uh, vegetarian and then vegan in 1970 and it felt great mm -hmm. it really felt good you know it felt good what I was doing for others other creatures and it felt good what I was doing for myself and here I am I'm 63 I live here you sit at my home near Laurel Canyon Ventura I ride up the hill nearly every day to Mulholland then down around Franklin uh -huh. Canyon Lake and back home people oh you don't want to be a vegan you won't have any energy you won't <laughs> I'm telling you you got plenty of energy there's people have won the Ironman contest much more That's fit right. than I that are vegan and so uh, you know it's very it's a it's a good way to eat it's a good way to live for the animals and for ourselves yeah a lot of people don't realize how it's just in many different ways, just so much better for you, depending on, you know, your body type and, you know, what's going on inside. Right. Uh, it could just be the best decision that anybody can make um, for, for your own health and then 
you're right. Just the idea of knowing that you're doing something for the, the betterment of all animals is just kind of makes you feel great. Yeah. Um, so was there anybody who introduced you to the vegan diet or were you just kind of discovering it on your own? There was a restaurant and a store called The Good Life on Lancashire in uh, North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the only health, I think it was one of two health food stores large ones in the valley there was one or two little tiny stores that i saw there was uh but it was called the good life and they had all sorts of books and information there too and i bought a book uh living the good life with by helen and scott nearing these people that moved Mm -hmm. from new york to vermont in the 50s or something and they decided they would live off the land in vermont in cold vermont and grow food and have a root cellar and live sustainably and be vegan. And so I was like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't believe it. I read it and I decided I would try that. You know, I would try to live the way that they lived. And I moved to Colorado for a short time. I was going to buy some land. I didn't have enough money. I didn't buy land there. I was going to live off the land, and, but I had no skills. I thought mm-hmm. I could just move to Colorado and, you know, build a little shanty somewhere. And it, Everybody it, would just be like, look at this actor trying to, I know. you know, build land. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to, and I, I didn't, I did never make that dream happen, but I came back to LA and continued to work here. And I just decided I would, uh, you know, I would eat healthy, and uh, I stopped eating meat in 1970, and I never looked back. You know, I haven't mm-hmm. had uh, red meat since then. And as I said, I foolishly uh, ate fish for a while. I thought I needed it, but what my body was craving, your body tells you what to eat. Mm-hmm. Omega-3 oils, I was craving oh. salmon, and I ate that for a while. You know, and the reason I think now was my body, I wasn't getting omega-3 oils. I started right. taking flaxseed oil. The craving for salmon went away. Sure, I wouldn't eat it. You put it right in front of me now. I have no desire to eat a piece of salmon because I'm getting everything I need from the right plant-based materials. So you got to, if you're going to be a vegan, you have to make sure, you know, you eat right and mm-hmm. cycle those protein and listen around. to your body listen I, to your body so frequently i'm just like oh i, I need vegetables like yeah. right now i need brussels sprouts. yes i need, I need brussels beets. sprouts what's in there there's magnesium there's yeah. zinc those things that your body's craving telling you that you need and i needed omega-3 oils and uh with flaxseed oil mm-hmm. I, I i i got it so you know and i always know one day i'm craving avocado then i'm craving peanut butter then mm-hmm. i'm craving soy then i'm craving cashews you know and you're going around the circle of those different kinds of protein you get mm-hmm. a complete protein every Absolutely. bit as good as what you're getting from a piece of meat only nobody had to suffer uh, to to get you that food on the table and more importantly you're not going to suffer the way our president bill clinton used to with his health right you know before he became vegan and, yeah, he was suffering him. not just bad for the animals bad for him mm-hmm. bypass surgery and all these things and he woke up one day and went, well, i'm going to try this somebody got to him and he read a book and he's a voracious reader bill i happen to know him mm-hmm. very intelligent guy went wait a minute this makes sense and now I've had many other friends, too, who read The China Study, that great the book. The China Study is a big one that it's a wonderful book. raises a lot of eyebrows. It does. It yeah. gets a lot of people. You know, people are very scientific, people that are kind of skeptical. I said, well, just read this book. Mm-hmm. If you think any of it's made up, you know, look at all the references and see where this guy mm-hmm. made it up. He didn't make a word of it up, of course. And he himself was skeptical. He was investigating this thing. There must be some other reason. <laughs> right. I like my meat. I like my dairy. Leave me alone. And But that's not where the facts took him. Mm-hmm. The facts took the author of the China study in a whole other direction, and he could not refute the facts of what came, came up again and again and again with different diets. And the people, the Asian people, had a very low instance of uh, you know, cardiac problems, right. of heart problems, or what have you, very low instance of, uh, instances of cancer. They came here, adopted our diet. They had every bit as much cancer as you know, mm-hmm. we sadly experience here, every bit as much heart disease once they started eating our food. So what's the common denominator? It's eating all this meat and dairy deep fried dairy and meat you know with dough wrapped around mm-hmm. it's just like it's a crazy diet having giant drinks so big i couldn't drink one of those drinks in a month i'm right. not kidding you i couldn't and people drink one or more of them in a day those big giant oh, drinks you get at a convenience store yeah with really sugar sad. and caffeine i can't imagine it i'm here oh, sipping no. sipping as i sit before you john green tea that's my <laughs> whoa katie bar the door i'm having green tea to get a little bit of minuscule amount of caffeine that and green tea and i feel uh, energized you know sure. just by day-to-day activities of exercise and eating right and and it, it's a good way to live 
Absolutely. So when you were, um, you know, back in the 70s when you had become vegan, uh, when did you start getting into, into acting? I started in 1967. So you were just at, towards the beginning of your career? Very much so. So was it difficult when you were on sets and there were craft service? Very, very hard. So how did um, you get by? Well, my dad was an actor, so I wanted to do what my dad did. And sadly, my dad had a wake-up call, if you will. He had a heart attack in 1964, I believe mm. it was. Almost died. He lost all kinds of weight, started eating healthier. He didn't become a vegan or vegetarian, mm-hmm. I can promise you. He just started eating less of cholesterol. And he gradually built, stopped doing that, stopped eating right. And he started eating his bouillabaisse every day and his steak and mm-hmm. eggs in the morning and all that stuff again. And sadly, he died in mm-hmm. 1970 at age 69 of a heart attack. Didn't, didn't have to be. So 1967, I was an actor. I was not yet a vegan. By 1970, I became a vegan, and I started eating uh, healthy. It was very, very hard. Uh, on a set, they had, there were two caterers that did every TV show and movie that I worked on uh, in, 19, in the 1970s, mm-hmm. Raleigh Harper and Ralph Green. They were very nice people, I'm sure. I don't know that I ever met them, but here's what they served every day. And I'm not kidding you. They had canned S&E Rykoff peas. That's like a distributor of like sure. industrial-sized cans of vegetables. They weren't green. They were like gray. Ugh. You know, green, gray peas <laughs> and gray beans, either peas or beans. Mm-hmm. And they were not green. They were gray for being in the can forever. They had canned cling peaches, cottage cheese, Barbara Ann buns, and they had either brisket or beef or some other kind of horrible steak-like something every day. That's what they served every day for these actors and crew members Mm -hmm. on these shows. And the guys were falling off the catwalk at age 48 of heart attacks, and they wonder, I wonder why that Mm -hmm. is. You know, this is what they eat. They, you know, long hours of movie making, they'd have lunch there, come Mm -hmm. in the morning, they'd have breakfast, they'd have some sort of meat and egg and thing for them every day. And then lunch, they'd have that brisket of beef and dinner time, they'd have roast beef or something. Right. With the canned peas and canned, and maybe some iceberg lettuce. Right, right. Maybe. No good nutritional romaine or anything or other leaf lettuce, just, you know, water basically with a little bit of cellulose and tiny amount of vitamins and iceberg. And that's what they served every day. And they'd have it for lunch and they'd have it for dinner. These people were eating three meals of that a day and wondered why everybody was getting sick. And uh, so it was very hard. Then you'd be on location in another city. And, you know, uh, their idea of vegetarian was, you know, some sort of uh, greens with fat back in it. Right. That's as vegetarian as you're going to get back in that day. But I stayed with it. And I, uh, as I said, to compromise, to get nutrition, or so I thought. I didn't have the resources back then. I didn't cook much mm-hmm. in the very early 70s. I started uh, eating fish. And, and okay. so that was my compromise. So that was way early on when you... Way early on. Right. And then I went back uh, to where I started, to being a vegan in 92, and uh, with very few vacations from strict veganism, I've been doing that very effectively now. That's 21 years right. back to the right place, eating right. Mm-hmm. Again, I haven't had meat since night, uh, you know, red meat or, sure. or uh, veal or lamb or pork or any of that supposed white meat. Uh, <laughs> I, I stopped eating all that back then, but I was uh, compromising and uh, not in a good way, really. Uh, but it's, it's what I did to survive by eating salmon in those early days. Uh, but now I, f- I feel great. I wouldn't consider doing anything like that now. Sure. And so then how did the veganism transfer itself into being an activist for the environment? That started in 1972 with the veganism. Wow, so right away. I started recycling. I started composting. Mm-hmm. I became a vegetarian. I started eating uh, you know, really healthy. I started using all biodegradable soaps and detergents. I started riding the... Uh, bus a lot, public transportation. I started riding my bike. Right. I did a little bit of home gardening, home composting, and all that stuff was very cheap. So I was saving money too. Mm-hmm. Pretty soon I had enough money to buy a little rain barrel to collect my rainwater, save some more money in my water bill. Pretty soon I had enough money to buy a little solar oven to cook some meals. I saved more money in my natural gas bill. I bought an electric car in 1970. That's I right. bought an electric car, John. Mm-hmm. 
It was a Taylor Dunn electric car. It was 950 bucks, and that wasn't a bad price for a car, but mm -hmm. it was much cheaper to plug it in the wall the way your equipment is here. Right. Just plug it in a 110-volt outlet, and it was cheaper to pay that electric bill <laughs> than it was to buy 1970 gasoline. Same way it is today. John, to plug in an electric right. car today, it's just cheaper to charge it, even on the utility, if you don't have solar like I do. Right. I'm mostly charging mine on the sun because I own a lot of solar panels on the roof of this very house. <sighs> uh, so, uh, you know, it was cheaper to do that then. It's cheaper today. Right. Just to, So it was good for the environment, good for my pocketbook. I went, hey, I like this environmental stuff. Sure. Did your peers think that you were... Out of my mind. Yeah. They thought I was totally crazy. It's driving an electric car around L.A. Right. I took Cindy Williams on a date. She's a young lady who played in a show before your time called Laverne and Shirley. Of course. She played Shirley on mm -hmm. Laverne and Shirley. Mm -hmm. And she was a wonderful actress and is a wonderful actress. And she was and is a dear friend. So I took her on a date in 1970. I'm telling you, John, she did not give me a second date after this. <laughs> the car was so slow. There were a kid on oh, Hot Wheels no. passing us, giving us a finger. You know? <laughs> It was a, a little three-wheel thing, you know, with the canvas doors, with a metal frame oh, and canvas wow. for the doors. You, you really know. went for it. Yeah, I went for <laughs> it. It had a top speed of 20 miles an hour. But I was stubborn. I went, I don't want to be part of this problem with smog in LA. Right. I want to do everything I can. And lo and behold, years later, uh, owing in very small part to me, but owing in a great part to the Coalition for Clean Air and the American Lung Association. All the people went to the Air Resources Board and the AQMD and other agencies. They were named other names before mm -hmm. that. Went to them and, and petitioned them to clean up the air. We have four times the cars in LA from 1970, millions more people, yet we have a fraction of the smog. The right. smog is better than it was. That is to say mm -hmm. less than it was in 1970 with all these millions more people. So we sh we've shown that we can do it. Right. You know, and there were jobs making those catalytic converters for cars and mm -hmm. making combined cycle gas turbines and making spray paint booths instead of those VOCs and those chemicals, smog making chemicals going up in the LA air. All right. that stuff that we thought would work did work. Mm -hmm. So that's what we need to do now for climate change. Sure. And as you know, one of the best things you can do for climate change is to become a vegan, you know. The fork is the most Absolutely. powerful, dangerous weapon we've ever held in our hands. And with it, you know, we can do good things or very bad things. And Howard Lyman right. has stated that so eloquently with his book with Glenn Merzer, you know, Mad Cowboy. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, what's the other? They did a follow-up book to that. I oh, can't I'm not remember. sure. I'm not but sure. Howard Lyman is an ex-feedlot operator, cattle rancher. For those of you who don't know about Howard Lyman, look into his life. And he was on death, death's, door, death's door, and he decided... He would try something different because he was right. just so humbled by these ailments that he had. He became a vegan, and he is now a, a healthy man uh, mm -hmm. for many, many years, all by changing his diet. So um, uh, it's a very good book, Mad Cowboy. I would urge everybody right. to read that. And a lot of people who have seen Forks Over Knives have seen the same type right. of thing going down. Uh, no, absolutely. That. It's it's a huge game changer. I always tell my friends because a lot of people, you know, when I became vegan, had a lot of questions. Uh, you know, when you when you say that you're vegan, it always raises a big conversation. And then uh, a lot of people kind of have gone down to a few days a week where they actually eat vegan, and everything makes a difference. You know, everything. You draw the line wherever you can draw. Exactly. It. Give me exactly. one day a week to start. Give oh, me yeah. two. Give me three. Give me whatever you can, and it will make a big difference. Because mm -hmm. the amount of methane that's produced by all these cows out there, dairy farms, and for the cattle ranching, uh, and the the amount of CO two, the amount of energy and water it takes to raise a pound of beef. You know, it's so much more than raising a pound of broccoli or a pound mm -hmm. of grain. Uh, it's a it's a better way to eat for ourselves and for the planet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So, uh, so you in '72 became vegan and an environmentalist. Ninety two. Uh, I started Se in 1970, and I became one again in '92. In '92, okay. I was compromising for a while by eating a little bit of right. fish, and uh, uh, I don't feel good about that. But mm -hmm. it's what I did given the time. It was so difficult back then. Right. But now uh, I'm I'm back to the right way to live, and it's I've been vegan since '92. Sure. And then, so you've been popping up on TV shows and in documentaries, and you know, written written some books. I. Uh, when did you start to become a real voice for the movement? You know, I've been talking about it for years, but there wasn't much of an audience for it. I think in 1990, mm -hmm. with the 20th anniversary of Earth Day, I became really 
known for it more because I would go and speak at these different rallies and not just go as others were 1990. I'm glad that they showed up, but people were coming like in a limo to the right. green event. And yes. I went, I'm not going to go in a limo. I'm going to ride my <laughs> bike to the green event on Earth Day. And so people were like, wow, you rode your bike here. It was, seemed like a big deal. I said, it's it was just, like, it's Earth Day. Yeah, it just <laughs> made on. sense to me. And uh, so uh, that's what I did starting... Uh, I, I, I've been doing it since 1970, but I started to get known for it in 1990. Maybe even in 86, now that I think about it. 86, there was something called the... the uh, it was for Prop 65. It was called the Clean Water Caravan or something. Jane Fonda and uh, Tom Hayden were still together at this point, mm -hmm. And they had this Proposition 65. It was a labeling law that would label things that had cancer-causing oh, okay. elements in them. They had to be labeled. And it passed by a two-thirds majority. And we went up and down California in a bus, uh, you know, talking about these things and rallying people at different mm -hmm. colleges and different events. And so I quickly discovered I was the only one who knew how to pronounce hexavalent chromium, let alone <laughs> know what it was. And so I, you know, they started, well, wait, let Ed talk, you know. And right. so that was actually 86, mm -hmm. now that I think about it. And I, wow. so once I was thrust on stage in that way, uh, in 86, I went, oh, I better learn some more about this. I don't want to get my facts sure. wrong. And at that time, I mean, I'd say that that's really, you know, you were, your career was boosting and people were really knowing who you were. Right. Uh, you know, you were in a lot of movies and you had already been in, on TV a whole bunch. So, yeah. you know, you were a familiar face and name and people were probably listening to you a lot more than if you were right. just some, you know, kid in 1970 who... Correct. You know. That's exactly right. I was talking about it back then, but I didn't have any sort of notoriety mm -hmm. to enhance that platform. I was a, some guy just shouting. Nobody could hear. But you get the megaphone, uh, the microphone of fame. Mm -hmm. You have that podium and spotlight of fame. Then people will listen to you. And you have a great responsibility. Number one, as I said, to get your facts right. Don't go out and say, we're all dying. Mm -hmm. They're trying to kill us. And there's poison and everything. You know, you wait a minute. Now, what is toxic? What is not? At what level? And uh, yeah, I went to people with PhD after the name, you know, scientists and got sure. good data. And then what I, what I learned was actually quite alarming. You know, people say, would say regularly after that when I started to talk, why don't you just shut up? You're an actor. Mm. Just do your job and shut up. It's like I'm about to go on stage and do my song and dance, and the fire marshal, what? Taps me on the shoulder, Ed, to go out there, don't freak people out, but we need to row by row evacuate people from the theater. There's a fire smoldering in the basement, okay? Whoa. So we're not sure if it's going to go to full blaze, but please, row by row. Okay, thanks a lot, buddy. Hey, a song and dance. And song. <laughs> I can't do that. I've been told by the fire marshal right. that there's a problem in the basement that may spread to the theater. How can I possibly, how can expect me to do just do my song and dance? Right. I need to tell people what I've heard from the experts, the fire marshals, mm -hmm. and that is the Union of Concerned Scientists. More than half the Nobel laureates are part of that. People with PhD after the name. People have been talking about Absolutely. climate change since forever, and nobody was listening. Now people are finally starting to listen with Tropical Storm Sandy and all the other problems, sure. the droughts and the uh, hurricanes and the tropical storms that are doing such damage. People are starting to think, well, maybe they were right, you know. And so uh, that's what I've tried to do, get good science from the experts and disseminate it. Absolutely. Yeah, and you've been, I mean, every time I see anything about a, an environmental rally or expo or something, like your name is always on the list somewhere. And oh, it's, thank you. And, and I also, and it's, of course, so different from the way that things probably started for you, but now when people say your name, what, what people hear is actor and environmentalist right and it's it's not like you're one thing more than the other right and i i definitely commend you for using your voice responsibly and you know giving the the good word without with making it seem accessible for sure Thank you, you you've John. definitely uh made it a little bit easier for people to kind of hear things and and uh for that i definitely commend you thank you yeah i mean just personally you know i i grew up watching your movies and when i heard about what you had been doing for the environment and seeing you pop up on documentaries and things it made me a little bit more interested because you're not hearing it from a scientist you know you're not hearing from some guy who you've never heard of before or maybe you have but it's like all right, I gotta brace myself for just a list of facts. It's coming from somebody who, I don't know, knows how to speak to everybody. 
And, well, thank you. And that's that's an important thing, and I think that that's something that I'd love to see more of because there are so many celebrities now who are vegan or environmentalists, and I feel like they should be just more vocal about it. I'm glad that many of them are becoming more vocal, mm-hmm. and uh, that's it's helpful. Yeah, I think that uh, definitely the past few years things have been changing uh, just immensely in terms of what people have been speaking out about in terms of celebrities, and it, it seems like it's it's going in the right direction. I uh, think so. Yeah. So where where do you see things going for the for the environment in the next few years? I was very encouraged. Just yesterday, we had a big climate reality downtown on Al- Alvera Street. We marched to City Hall, had a wonderful event there on the steps of City Hall, downtown Los Angeles, and. Um, Lots of people came and speak, and Bill McKibben had 50,000 people, I think, in Washington, D.C., there in the mall assembled Mm -hmm. to try to do something uh, to get the government's attention about climate change. And we need to do our part, too. If we want to say no, and I think we should to the Keystone Pipeline, what Mm -hmm. are we doing to conserve energy? We have a part in it. We can't just blame industry and government. We want Mm -hmm. them to do what they must do, of course, and we should continue that fight. That's a very important component. But so is our personal behavior. There's tremendous savings Mm -hmm. that we can all experience if we just do the right thing. i got to tell you a story, John. Uh, I've written a book about energy conservation. It's called Living Like Ed. I had another one that came after that, Ed Begley's Guide to Sustainable Living. Mm -hmm. But the first one had been out a full year at this point. That book was called Living Like Ed. And what the book is about is energy conservation. I had a TV show called Living With Ed, about my wife's journey, Living With Me. That had been out (laughs) a year too. That's all you need to know for this story to make sense. Okay. I got a book and a show out about energy conservation. My friends Ron and Tammy Schwalski come to me. They want to do home energy audit at my house. I go, what are you talking about? I've done all this stuff. I wrote a mm-hmm. book about it. I got a TV show. Leave me alone. I'm busy. <laughs> no, no. We'd like to come and do a home energy audit. They got different things today, different tools. and maybe You're not going to find anything in my house. Okay, but it'd help us. I said, why didn't you just say so? You want the bragging rights sure. to say you did Ed's house? It'd be a good yardstick, a benchmark, if you will, even though this is an old house the 1936 energy inefficient house i did everything did everything a person could do mm-hmm. you know the double pane windows the recycled denim in the attic mm-hmm. blue cellulose in the walls i did lots of stuff so yeah come on by i said if it'll help you guys you know it'll be a good benchmark for what people can possibly aspire to sure so they come to the house and they have all this equipment on my front porch john i go what the hell is this they go this is called the blower door we put in your front door and we blow air into the house with a fan that's in the middle of it and it sees with little gauges, how much air the house holds, if it will keep the pressure that we're blowing into it with this giant fan, uh-huh. little gauges. Okay, I've done a great job of sealing up the windows myself and doors with uh, weather stripping. What, what's this? This is called a duct blaster. We put it on your air ducts. I said, put that back in the truck. They mm-hmm. just redid my air ducts a couple of years ago because of mold. I'm sure they sealed it up tight. Let us just make sure, they said. Okay. Right. What's this thing? This is called a thermal imaging device. We go around the house and we see where it's all, you know, in the walls. Right. You know, if it's hot out or cold out, either way, you'll see the heat or the cool coming in or out of the house with different colors. It's right. a, a thermal gun, you know, like infrared sure. photography. They catch a, some, uh, some person, some criminal on a hillside with infrared at <laughs> night. It's that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they come to my house and they do all this stuff. They found ways for me with my super low energy bills to cut my super low electric bill in half. They found ways to cut my super low natural gas bill in (sighs) half because of today's technology, John. I didn't have this stuff when I did all this, you know, the equipment in 1988 when I moved into this Uh house. I didn't have those tools. I did everything I thought was right. I thought I can't do any more. There was room for me to save energy. I still had super low energy Mm -hmm. bills, but I cut my super low bills in half with today's technology. There was a giant leak in that other room over there Mm -hmm. out leading towards the yard that you saw when you Mm -hmm. came. There was a a hole somewhere up in the attic that led to outside where no rain or sunlight was coming in. It was one of those things with a, a roof kind of an eave going over it like that. Sure. So there's no rain or sunlight coming in. But it was an open hole for 20 years. Oh, wow. This is 2008 we're talking about. 88, I bought this house and moved in. Uh-huh. 20 years, I had like an open fireplace flue for 20 years in this house from that one thing we Jeez. fixed with a $10 piece of insulation. 
Oh, that's amazing. So this is what I'm urging everybody to do. You want to do something for the environment, number one, become a vegan. Number two, <laughs> get a home energy audit. You don't have to do all the things. They're going to have crazy big ticket right. items on there. Replace your heating and air unit. Replace all your windows with mm-hmm. double pane. Uh, put solar on your rooftop. Different right. recommendations. You don't have to do any of those now or ever. But what you do want to do is the cheap and easy stuff. Of course. Energy-saving thermostat. Weather stripping. Energy efficient light bulbs, all that stuff they're going to give you that's going to save you money and energy and save the environment right away. Absolutely. So uh, I've actually never talked about this, but for new homeowners, what would be your suggestions for the first things that they should do to make their homes more energy efficient? Get a home energy audit. Just get it, get the audit. But are get there, the audit. Are there certain things specifically yeah. that... If they don't have the time to get an energy out, the stuff that you're going to do, they're going to recommend that mm-hmm. you do anyway because of the cheap and easy one. Sure. Do those first before, of course. before they can People even get a People just buying a new loaders. house just spend yeah. a ton of money. Before they looking, can even make right. an appointment for you to get a home mm-hmm. energy audit. Energy efficient light bulbs in every fixture mm-hmm. that you can afford in the house. You know, maybe it's just two for now. People are on a real budget. Three, sure. four. Get those energy efficient light bulbs. They're very cheap at Costco, Home Depot now. Mm-hmm. Get them any hardware store has them. Put those in right away. Energy saving thermostat. Put up an energy saving thermostat. They're fairly simple if you're handy at all. Mm-hmm. There's a blue wire, there's a red wire, there's a yellow wire, and there's a green wire. You just put the wires where they belong in sure. the old spots. It says blue, green, yellow, red. And you set if you're not handy, get somebody else, get mm-hmm. a, a friend or an electrician or heating and air guy to come and do it. Put that energy saving thermostat in and now also program it don't just Mm -hmm. put it in make sure you program it for your wake and sleep leave and return modes that's how it really works best Mm -hmm. saves you energy so the light bulbs the thermostat weather stripping around your doors and windows those are ways right away that you can save a tremendous amount of money Mm -hmm. and another thing i do right away if you have a lawn uh you know get rid of that lawn as soon as you can too in -hmm. southern california Oh, absolutely. You know, this is a desert to be wasting water, and it takes a lot of electricity to pump mm-hmm. water around L.A. Get rid of that lawn as soon as you can. Put in beautiful drought-tolerant plants like the ones I have out there, lavender, sage, ceanosis. Mm-hmm. And I have some fruit trees in the middle that I'm watering with rainwater for the most part. Of course. You know, so I've wonderful food that I eat on site year round. I have different food coming at different times. Avocados this time of year. I got oranges. I got tangerines, olives that I cure, vegetable garden out back. I got got broccoli growing right now, cauliflower, lettuce. I just had a delicious salad just last night, fresh from the garden. Everything from the garden. Everything from the garden. So I can get a lot of my food right here on site. It saves energy because you're not trucking it in from long distances. Of course. You know, people are buying food nowadays. The average distance that food travels is a thousand miles that's a lot of energy it takes well right now i mean there's a huge movement going on about eating locally which one of the best things you can do for the environment people for years and i'm one of them organic organic organic's Mm -hmm. important but locally grown is Mm -hmm. every bit as important as organic for me sure because you're supporting the local farmers and you're saving all that energy Mm -hmm. people just because you can i want grapes in the middle of winter you know they're coming from chile right that's a long trip from chile sure so uh, if you want to do that, that's your choice. But eat locally as much as you can. Mm-hmm. It's good for the environment, and uh, it's good for your pocketbook often, too. Right. And I, I know definitely living in Los Angeles is a big thing, but I know that it's just becoming bigger and bigger nationwide at the very least. But farmer's markets are yes. almost every day, probably every day. I know that speaking about like the Happy Cow app, there's a California farmer's market guide Great. app where you just... You know, it finds where you are and it tells you which days nearby and, you know, where everything can be found. We got and one, you've got a great one right here. Right here in Studio mm-hmm. City. It's a great farmer's Sun, market. Sundays. A, I yeah, mean, yeah, Sunday. It's a wonderful farmer's market. And Absolutely. I go there and buy a lot of that fresh organic produce and locally grown produce. Mm-hmm. Just wonderful. Absolutely. Well, that's so cool. Uh, so we were talking a little bit about the way that things were when you were on sets and with craft service and how terrible it was. You know, towards the beginning of, of your life as a vegan. Uh, nowadays, uh, tell me about how things have completely changed. John, it's extraordinary. <laughs> Every set that I work on, 
I go, sometimes I don't say anything. Some producer has mentioned to the caterer, I'm fine to just go in the line and get mm-hmm. the stuff from the line. There's so many vegan choices sure. on the set today. They got the salad bar. They got all this stuff. They go, oh, oh, oh wait a minute. Are you Ed? Yes, I am. Oh, we got a special plate for you. They've done some special uh-huh. thing with quinoa and tofu and lentils. and it, Delicious. Mm-hmm. There's no caterer around anymore other than super low budget things where right. somebody gets their aunt to do the catering uh-huh. and she decides she's going to make spaghetti and meatballs for people to save money mm-hmm. i don't know what but that's what so kind rare of things are be, you working on these days where that happens i know almost <laughs> that's so rare as to be non-existent right that just really doesn't happen anymore in fact most of the small caterers on small movies mm-hmm. they even you know the oh, more sure. than ever they go it's cheap to do this and they sure, get a big absolutely. pot of lentils and they got a some quinoa they mm-hmm. get some brown rice and they have great stuff that's very cheap to make mm-hmm. So uh, I, I can't tell you, I don't think I can remember the last set I was on where, you know, they didn't have great vegan choices mm-hmm. and plenty of them. Sure. And I'm sure that also if they know that you're going to be around, they got to make sure that they have some options. But I, yeah. I, I know that just personally having been on sets and things like that recently, there is always something. Always. And it's always pretty good. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's kind of uh, an important thing, a, a big change that's been happening, and it's it's everywhere. You find it everywhere. So, do you still do a lot of uh, traveling? I travel. Here was my trick before I had a smartphone. I got a smartphone mm-hmm. now, so I don't have to worry about it. But before I had a smartphone, we could do Happy Cow. You could look up, you know, restaurants nearby, Yelp or something. Mm-hmm. What I would do is this. This is in the '90s, driving cross country and. This before hybrid, so I was mm-hmm. driving a natural gas car cross country because that was the most energy efficient, cleanest burning vehicle of its time in the 90s. So I would just get off the, the highway, Main Street, USA, any mm-hmm. town, or get off, if, if I wasn't near a Main Street off-ramp, I'd get off at a mall mm-hmm. anywhere USA and drive around the mall or drive up and down Main Street, and here's what I'd always find. Uh, some Asian restaurant, mm-hmm. Thai, Indian, Chinese, Japanese, and they would always have a vegan choice. You know, they uh-huh. have they make an avocado roller, they make a right. seaweed salad that at the uh, Japanese restaurant, uh, at the Chinese restaurant. You tell them you don't want any fish sauce or what have sure. you. They understood fish sauce that. And oyster sauce, no are big oyster sauce. That you got to make sure to make ask me of uh, stir fried veggies. You know, with tofu and make it spicy because I like spicy. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, Thai restaurant. You don't have to go much further. Mm-hmm. Just tell them you're a vegan, you're a Buddhist, or whatever way sure. you want to phrase it. Sure. You know, Thai or anything like that, or, or Vietnamese food. They totally understand that. Same with Indian, of course. Say you mm-hmm. don't want any ghee, you don't want any butter. And they will do that for you. And so that was my trick. I just drive around Main Street USA or malls, you know, Central USA, sure. anywhere. Now, it's, now you just who wants to drive around and hope you're going to get lucky? I almost always did get lucky. It was one time out of twenty, I'd go, "Wow, there's not one Asian restaurant in this whole mall." Okay, right. it's all just submarine sandwiches and salami this and deli that. But that's rare. But now you just put on the app. Go, where am I? Okay, I'm here in Pennsylvania. There's a such and such, and there's one there on that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, exit. And you get off, and you have a great meal. Sure. Great meals. Makes it pretty easy. Yeah. So uh, this is, the the name of the show is Vegan Snack Attack. So I need to talk a little bit about snacks. What are some of your favorite things to snack on? You know, I like nuts. I like uh, different kinds of nuts. So I always have little packets of nuts and containers with nuts in mm-hmm. them i like uh i have rice cakes with uh and i have peanut butter on that good you know organic peanut butter. oh yeah rice cakes with peanut butter almond butter oh it's delicious i don't need much more than that delicious <laughs> i also have um you know i regularly snack on cherry tomatoes from the garden if not from the garden. Right. I, well, you have your garden. You just have snacks grown up on the ground, grown on the just trees. Just yesterday, <laughs> I snacked right out of the garden of these delicious peas that I had. I had peas. I was just eating them raw yeah. out there. So you're getting good raw food with lots of lots of uh, vitamins and minerals. Lettuce. I got a lot of lettuce growing now. Sometimes when I'm walking by, I just grab a couple leaves of lettuce. It's so fresh. It's so, so alive. So whatever anybody probably thinks that you're like in your own personal life, they're probably right. That you just go out in your garden and just grab stuff off the ground and off trees. Grab it right off it. It's delicious. (laughs) Take a bite. And I cure my own olives from these olive trees I have near here. So those are delicious. You get a bag of rock salt, and there's a like two or three week, three week process actually, Mm -hmm. where you can take olives off a tree that are ripe and ready, and you cure them, and they're delicious Mediterranean olives. Right. 
Um, oh, that's so great. I like those as snacks. What else do I like? I've been good for a while. I was eating too many chips. I used to like uh-huh. chips, like tortilla chips or sesame blue chips, those different kinds of chips. They come out with so many amazing sounding ones these They're days. They're so good, <laughs> but I'm at my age. You're young. You can do it. And I could do it, act with impunity for a while. I was starting oh, to put on a little bit, bit of weight from eating uh-huh. too many chips. So now I'm cooling it on the chips. Sure. I got some celery and I put that in the fridge. I just cut that up and have that with a little bit of hummus or something. There's another good snack. Hummus is uh, the best. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, avocados. I mm-hmm. love avocado. I'll just put an avocado cut up real quick. I always have avocados in the fridge at different mm-hmm. stages of ripeness. So there's always one or more that are ripe. Cut it up. Put it on a little plate with uh, some salt and pepper mm-hmm. and just have an avocado with just with salt and pepper. It's delicious. So good. So, so good. good. Love it. Well, uh, I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Uh, it's been about... 40 minutes or so, but I want to thank you so much for inviting me into your home to, to record this podcast, and I, I, I'm so excited for everybody to be listening to this, and um, I hope that somebody finds something that they can take away from it. Uh, are there any last words of advice you have to maybe somebody who is thinking about becoming vegan or starting to dabble in veganism a little bit? What, what would be your advice? Do a, a pure scientific experiment. Try it and see how you feel. Sure. If you feel good, you know. Just maybe try it another day or two or three, you know, but just try it uh, a bit and see how you feel. It's a, it's a good way to live, and I suspect it's going to be like every other person that I've suggested try this way of life. They all have liked it, you know, mm-hmm. from Bill Clinton, people with a lot of notoriety, to people that you never heard of. Are you the one that suggested to Bill? That no, no, I, got, I wish I could take credit for that, <laughs> but others did, but it worked for sure. him is the point, you know. Mm-hmm. Somebody suggested it, he read a book about it because he's a voracious reader, and went, oh, let me try this, I've tried everything else, how many more heart surgeries do I want to have? Sure. Let me try this. Wait a minute, how long has it been now? I feel fantastic. Yeah. Let me give it another week, another week. And he's never looked better. Never looked better. Never, never looked felt better. better. Never yeah. been better. So, um, Give it a try. That's what I would suggest. And as an overriding principle in every part of your life, not just with your diet, but with your consumption in other ways, live simply so that others can simply live. I think there's enough to go, to go around in this beautiful planet that has so much abundance. There's a great many of us now. So we have to be more careful than ever, given the fact there's you know, so many billions of people mm-hmm. on this planet today. So live simply so that others can simply live is the advice, advice I'll leave you with. I love that. Uh, and this is going to be coming out not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday. Do you have any events or anything that you're going to be at or anything that anybody should look out for? Any movies or TV shows you're going to be in that you want to let people know about? I you did. had a great uh, spot on Happy Endings, by the way. Oh, I love that show, Happy Endings. Oh, it's, it's so, so great. funny. And you were just yourself. Yes. That was... I played myself in that wonderful show. I'm a fan of the show. I was so just great. excited beyond description when they asked me to be on it because I love the show. And uh, your friend Michael McKean was, was on that Michael there, episode. my dear friend yeah. from Spinal Tap and all those Chris Guest movies. He was on it too. And uh, uh, they called me to do more and I was doing a play and couldn't oh, do yeah. another one. But I hope they call me again. I hope so too. I just love the show. It'd be great if you just pop up every now and then. Just uh, It would be my dream. Big League I'm a, always I'm a, there. <laughs> a giant fan. But I, um, I just did an episode of uh, Hot in Cleveland with my dear friend oh, Wendy Malik. Great. And then I also did, um, I did an, uh, Rules of Engagement. That hasn't mm-hmm. aired yet. And I have a, an HBO movie with Chris Guest and oh, uh, Chris right. O'Dowd. That's coming out. Um, when is that coming out? In May. I'm sure people will hear about it. <laughs> uh, but... Uh, we have the Academy Awards. That's coming up right. just before this airs, actually. And I'm a governor of the Motion Picture Academy, so I have a great many responsibilities with that. There's a Heal the Bay event at uh, the aquarium uh, there in Santa Monica, the Heal the Bay Aquarium in Santa Monica. I'm doing that on March 2nd, Saturday, reading to some kids there, different stories oh, for great. reading to kids. And then I go to Milwaukee on the 5th because I have a lot of things to do in Milwaukee on the 6th. I'm speaking at this um, sustainability conference in Milwaukee. Oh, that's great. Then I'll be at the Natural Products Expo the 8th and 9th of March. I'll be there. That's a big thing. That is a big one. 8th, 9th, and 10th. So I'll see you there. Then I'm at the uh, Sheraton Delfina in Santa Monica, March 13th. So there's, Mm -hmm. I'm overwhelming. I'll shut up now. There's a few (laughs) of the things I'm doing. Everybody wrote all that down, I'm sure. So uh, so that's great. And anybody listening in Milwaukee, look out. 
I'll, you know? I'll be there. See you on March <laughs> yeah, 5th. Yeah, and go, 6th. go say hi to Ed and let him know that you, you listened to him in Vegan Snack Attack. So Thanks, John. <laughs> well, yeah, thank you so much once again. This has been fantastic. And uh, yeah, uh, thank you everybody for listening. I appreciate it. So